0: Apply it to our hearts, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, make us a light and a voice for hope in our world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Paul begins, or the author begins here, by that word, therefore, meaning that which he has just spoken of, that which is found in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. All these examples of faith that God gives to us in Hebrews chapter 11. Therefore, since we have this cloud, this cloud of witnesses that surround us. Let's first of all stop and and think about that for just a moment. The cloud. What does that mean? Well, it means that we're surrounded. It means, as the text says, we are surrounded by this cloud. Meaning there are a lot of witnesses. Meaning God didn't raise up for us in that 11th chapter one, maybe two examples of people of faith. But he gave us many examples of faith. He took us through that Old Testament, at intertestamentary time. He takes us through John the Baptist in that passage. Laying before us, here are examples of faith. And time cannot tell you of all that I could give, says the author. God always supplies an ample witness. God never short changes. God, God never provides an unacceptable amount of witness. That which God supplies is always a cloud. It's the picture of that which envelops, that which covers, that which no matter where you look, you would have seen witnesses. There they are. It's like a cloud in which you are totally surrounded. You look around it. There it all is. Perhaps some of you have experienced dense fog. Where you were driving and all of a sudden you, you're, you're in the midst of this fog and it's like, i got to slow down. I, I, don't, I don't know where I am anymore. And you stop and no matter where you look there's this dense fog. We are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses who continue to speak and to breathe out of their lives through God's word. We are surrounded. His word surrounds us. These witnesses surround us. His Son surrounds us. There's no doubt that as he he is coming to this section that we're thinking back to Hebrews chapter 1. In former days God spoke to us in this way, but now he has spoken to us through his Son. God has not shortchanged his witness to us. There is not one of us here tonight who can say, you know, God just didn't give me enough evidence. If only God had given a little more evidence, I I might have been a a Christian. Or if God had only given me a little more evidence, I might have endured the race. But I kind of fell off because, well, God just didn't give me enough. Hebrews chapter 2. 12 verse 1 is the reminder not only to us but to those that we witness to as well who say oh, I just don't see enough evidence of God Hebrews 12:1 We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses A reminder Of the fact that that that's not individual people, that's their testimony. They are witnesses, they are testifying, they are giving their testimony. And what is it that we had in Hebrews chapter 11? Did, Did we have long lengthy discourses? No. What we had is the action pack of their life. We had those actions. We had their life. We had the way in which they lived. And by their life, they're speaking. Now, the author has a particular interest in doing that, doesn't he, here? Because if you remember back, what is the point of the book of Hebrews? The point of the book of Hebrews is this. We had people who came out of the Jewish faith, who came out of Judaism... That's why it's called the book of Hebrews. Who have confessed Christ, who have acknowledged Christ, who are looking to Christ, but now their heads are drifting back. And they're going, you know, maybe, maybe I need something else. Maybe I, 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 some of that Judaism again. Some of those festivals, some of those feasts, some of those washings, some of those Levitical rules and laws, some of that I, I need to get back into. Maybe we, we need an altar again back at the temple. May, maybe we need sacrifices again. Maybe, maybe I should go back to that again. And he's writing the book of Hebrews in order to come to these folks and say, wait a minute. God has supplied you with a cloud of witness. Listen to their testimony. These people out of that Old Testament context were putting their hope and promises not in the things that were shadows, but they were looking to the reality of Christ. You too. You too, listen to their testimony. Listen to their lives. Hold to the truth. Keep to the truth. The cloud. Secondly, as we go through this passage, therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what are we to do? Because they exist, because they are there, because of God's testimony, let us what? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Second point, the weight. Imagine running a race, running a marathon, with a hundred pounds of cement tied to your leg. Imagine the high jumper. Imagine the high jumper who's who's approaching and coming there, and you know, they, they basically hardly wear any outfit at all to be so light, right? To get as much air as they possibly can. Imagine that high jumper coming and his name is called or her name is called and, and they come to that, that place and, and then they say, wait a minute, I, I need to do something, and they take a few bags of 40 pounds of cement and say, i got to tie these things to me, around my waist. Now let me run and high jump. We go, that's ridiculous. Right? We watch these people who run marathons, right? And, and, and they continue to develop the clothing so that it can be as light as possible. They want shoes to be feather weight. So that there is no weight that would somehow hold them back. That's the picture that we're being given here. So let us also lay aside every weight. And what does he mean by weight? He means sin. Sin. That's explained to us in the very next phrase, right? Let us lay aside every weight and sin. Everything that holds us back. Everything that keeps us from truly following Christ. We could say, and every sin which clings so closely. You know, there are some sins that Seem to cling closer than others. There's some sins that, that become really, really close to us. Turn with me, for example, to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Listen to Jesus, and and I found this interesting because of the weight reference. Verse 34, Luke 21, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dispensation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Reading one of the commentators on this verse, he he speaks about the fact that, that what Jesus is aiming at is the fact that we tend to live life by our passions. And we let our passions rule us. And those passions weigh us down. And the stuff of this life weighs us down. They are a weight upon our hearts. They're a weight upon our minds. We think we're living in freedom because we're following our passions. But in reality, and, and it's our sinful passions. But in reality, those things as the author of Hebrews is saying, are things that are actually weighing us down. They're the the hundred pounds of cement tied to our legs. We're trying to follow Christ, at least we're saying we're following Christ, but yet we give more credence and we give more place to those passions of sin. Turn with me to Colossians, book of Colossians, chapter 3. When Paul is explaining to the Colossians what it is to live the new life. Verse 5, Colossians 3:5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. weigh you down. These are things to get rid of. These are things to put off the weight. Since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses then we too should put off every weight and sin which clings so closely We have to lay it aside. We have to take it off because it entangles. It entangles us when we're trying to run. Imagine a, a bride with a long, long train. I've conducted enough weddings that that, that part of part of my prayer as the wedding is conducted, okay, is is I, I always offer just a little brief prayer. Don't let her trip. Don't let her trip, please. Okay, let her get, let her make it down the aisle, right? especially when she has one of these long flowing trains and it's all caught up and it's it's long, it's on the ground and she's got probably high heels on or something and you know it's just like, oh, if she steps on this wrong, is it going to tear? Is it going to catch her feet? Is it going to entangle? Now imagine running a hundred yard dash in that thing and you'd go, no. Take off the sin. That so easily entangles. That so easily trips you up. Take it off. In other places of the Bible such as. Well Colossians 3.5. Put to death. End it. Stop it. Be done with it. Paul and. Romans chapter 8. Put it to death. Put to death the sin that is within us. We used to refer to this as the mortification of the flesh. It's an action thing. That's what faith does. Faith is action. And faith action is to take off the sin that's so closely clings to us in life. It is a willingness to say, I am done with it. I am over with it. Put it to death. End it. You say, well, how do you do that? How do you put sin to death? What is the one instrument that you and I are given that is an offensive weapon by which we, as a Christian soldier, kill?" Word of God. God's truth. Having trouble dealing with a particular sin in your life? Get into God's Word. God will convict you. God will convict you. God will draw you right there. And that sword of the Word of God will pierce your heart. help you to see the horrificness of the sin that you're involved in. So much so, you will turn from it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run the race. Third point, the race. Let us run the race with endurance. Another way of stating that is to run the race with perseverance. This morning in our Sunday school class, I I had never even really noticed this particular verse before when Paul is speaking to the... um, Ephesians elders, he says to them, it's uh, Ephesians 20, verse 24, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's not at the end of life. He's in the middle of life. He's in the middle of a journey. And he's saying to these these men, these elders at Ephesus, I just want to finish my course, I just want to finish the race. I just want to run with endurance. I just want to persevere. Now having heard Paul say that, as it were, in the middle of the race, my goal is to finish the race, to run with endurance that race. It gives a different perspective then on turning to 2 Timothy 4, 7. So go forward. Excuse me, go, yeah, from Acts. Go forward to that passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Here is one of the last books that Paul writes. He is at the end of life now. He is at the end of the journey. Listen to what he says now. See, Acts 20, oh, that I can finish the course. 2 Timothy 4:7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. what a blessing that is. To run with endurance the race. To not quit. To not turn aside. But to continue to run the race. Let me ask you a question. And, And I'll just use... You might say they're canned situations. Yes, they are, but it's the way my mind works, okay? So let me just ask you a question. Let it, what would you think if next Sunday, Easter Sunday, I stood up and said, just want to let you know, folks, I joined a new organization this week. I joined the pro-choice organization. Found a wonderful, lovely chapter here in Grand Rapids full of nice people. Oh yeah, they promote abortion and they promote the end of life. And yeah, they're against pro-life people and everything. But they're really nice people and I've given them some money. I've donated a lot of money to them this week. And, and, and I'm going to join them for their regular meetings. What would you think? After this sermon of running the race with endurance, what would you think? You'd say, Pastor Bob, I think you got off course. What would you say if I announced next week, Sunday, I've decided to leave Little Farms and I'm joining uh, a congregation. uh, I won't use the name, but they fly a rainbow flag and I'm taking up the cause of LGBTQ+. You'd say, Pastor Bob, I think you're off course. You're not running with endurance. You're missing something. What if after all these years and all the sermons about creation, I said to you next Sunday, I've decided to become an evolutionist. I don't think Genesis 1 is true. Now, number one, I'd be out of a job probably quicker than anything, but you'd say you're not running the race. Yeah, but there's nice people in these organizations, but you're not running the race. Am I called to witness? Yes. Am I called to join? No. That's not running the race. That's not running with endurance. Because you see, the text goes on to say, to run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's not I get to run my race, you get to run your race. We all get to run our own little race. No, there is a race that is set before us. There is a course that is laid out right here. This is the course, and this is the course that I have to run, this is the course that you have to run. I don't get to decide to branch off if I'm running the marathon at mile 24 and go my own race. I don't get to decide where those markings are. I have to run the race that God sets before me in His Word, by His truth. This is the race that God gives me. This isn't an individual thing. Well, Pastor Bob, you can run your race. I'm going to run mine. Well, if you're running a race that's your own, you're headed in the wrong direction. Because the race that you and are to be running is the race that God lays before us in the Word. And we are to endure in that. Not just give it a good 20 years. Not just give it a good 30 years. Not just give it a good 40 or 50. We are to give it until we can say with the Apostle Paul, I have run the race. I have finished it. And at our dying breath, We should be those who are striving to run the race that God has laid out before us. And we run it with endurance. We don't run it with ease. We don't run it with comfort. We don't run it with what makes us feel good. We run the race that God sets before us. And we endure that race. As hard, as difficult as that may be. And we don't compromise God's truth. We don't turn from God's truth. We hold to the truth of God. And how do we do that? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. Looking to the Word. Looking to the One who is supreme. Looking to Christ. Looking to Him. To fix our eye. Upon Jesus. Chorus Book Number Twenty Five. Let's turn there a minute. Let's sing it. Somebody get us started. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Why are we looking to Jesus? Because he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Because he ran his race. He ran the course that was set before him. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Let us run the race that is set before us. Why? Because we're looking to Jesus. We're looking to Jesus who ran the race. Think of what that means this week. Think of the suffering. Think of the pain. Think of the fact he ran that race. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone. Forsaken. For you is the race that was set before him endured he suffered the shame because the race before him was for you and for me looking to Jesus who is the author Before the foundations of the world. We were chosen in Christ. And he is the perfecter of our faith. He is the completer. He is the finisher. He paid it all. And if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Well, I don't know. I really don't have that assurance. I really don't have that hope. He is the perfecter. He is not your heart, not your soul, not your mind. We don't perfect our faith. He does. Oh, what a spit in the face of Christ. To say, well, I just don't have that assurance. Of course I have that assurance. But that assurance is not because of me. It's because he authored my salvation. He has perfected my salvation. He paid it all. And Because he paid it all. It is all to him that I owe all to him he used to be my first love all to him oh what a text All that Christ has done for you and I. Therefore, let's get rid of this sin that is so easily entangling and let us run the race that is set before us. Knowing who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Knowing who is our Alpha and Omega. Knowing who is the beginning and end. It's the supreme one, Jesus Christ. It is no wonder that that became the theme of this book. It is no wonder that 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 just keeps coming out, all the supremacy of Christ. The supremacy of his love for you and for me. your eyes upon Jesus. You know what? Someday you shall look into his face. Father, thank you for your word for its reminder to us tonight, for its calling us, but also for its encouragement to us to hear Paul say, I Fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Father, may we too, as life draws to a close for us, be saying, I have run the race that was set before me. With Jesus as the author and perfecter of my faith, looking to him and to him only. I have run the race. I have finished the course. To God be the glory. And God's people say, Amen.